Warning, the following podcast probably contains dirty words and graphic descriptions of ass-kicking action. Welcome to the Adkins Diet Podcast. This is Adam and I am joined by my wonderful wife, Whitney. This is a podcast dedicated to consuming all of the movies featuring the prolific but underappreciated actor and martial artist Scott Adkins. How prolific is he? Well, Scott Adkins appeared in eight movies in the year 2016 alone. He had three supporting roles in wide-release pictures, including Criminal, The Brothers Grimsby, and Doctor Strange, where he kicked the shit out of Benedict Cumberbatch in his astral form, and it was awesome. Adkins also had a lead role in the other five direct-to-video or limited-release movies this year. This dude works. He puts in the effort. He releases many, many movies per year. But which ones are the ones that are worth watching? We are here to celebrate the awesomeness of Scott Adkins, But we are also here to separate the hype from the tripe, the dank from the stank, and to tell you which of these movies are worth watching. Scott Adkins' movies in 2016 include Hard Target 2, Jarhead 3, The Siege, and Boyka, Undisputed 4. According to an IMDb quote, Scott Adkins once said, I'm like the king of the low-budget sequel. People ask, what film are you going to do next? I don't know, but it's probably going to have a 3 or 4 in the title. And that is the nature of Scott Adkins' career. He stars in many sequels to movies that are completely unrelated to the original. Last week we talked about Undisputed 2, and that was a little closer than usual. It featured the same plot as the original, pretty much, and it had a different actor playing the same lead character with Michael Jai White taking over for Ving Rhames. But overall, the movie made sense as a sequel. It was a martial arts action film instead of a boxing drama, but it used the same premise and a related character, and from that point on, the series focused on Boyka, so it had a natural mutation into a series starring Scott Adkins. Many of his other movies, however, are not such direct sequels. For example, the Jarhead series. Jarhead started out as a serious drama about Jake Gyllenhaal in non-combat situations as a soldier, but Jarhead 3 becomes a military action movie. Also similar is the Green Street series. This week we're watching the 2013 movie Green Street Hooligans Underground, also known as Green Street 3, also known as Green Street 3 Never Back Down. That one seems to be trying to cash in on the title of the Never Back Down series. Another movie that resorted to -to straight-to-video sequels, these ones directed by Michael Jai White from last week's movie Undisputed 2. Also, once you actually start the movie on Netflix, it shows the title as Green Street Hooligans Undefeated, 
which is completely wrong and not listed as any of the titles for the series that I've seen so far. This film was directed by James Nunn, but it's based on an original drama, Green Street, which was a serious drama about the allure of violence and camaraderie featuring Elijah Wood as an American visiting his family in England, who falls in with his brother-in-law, played by Charlie Hunnam, and becomes a member of his football hooligan firm. Now, for those of you who don't know, football hooliganism has been a serious issue in England for a long time. One of my favorite things I have ever read online is the first instance of football on violence is unknown, but the phenomenon can be traced back to 14th century England. In 1314, Edward II banned football, which at the time was a violent, unruly activity involving rival villages kicking a pig's bladder across the local heath because he believed the disorder surrounding matches might lead to social unrest or even treason. However, the first instance of football hooliganism in the modern game, as reported by the media and the press, allegedly started during the 1880s in England. This went on for a couple decades, but didn't get substantial coverage until the 50s and 60s, in which time it was recorded that a period of gangs and supporters for various football teams would intimidate other neighborhoods, attack referees, attack opposing supporters and players, and at this time the football hooliganism label first began to appear in the English media. They would often engage in behavior that risks being arrested before the match, denied admittance to the stadium, or ejected from the stadium during the match or banned from attending future matches, which is when it became evident that it was more about the fighting and the conflict than it was about the actual sport. The original sequel to Green Street followed one of the supporting characters and the rest of the gang as they were sent to jail for the fights from the first movie. This was an excuse for more violent prison conflicts, and eventually led to them playing a football game against a rival firm. Firms, by the way, are the groups of soccer hooligans who comport themselves around various teams, and they play a game for their freedom. So obviously that movie was losing the realistic drama of the first film. Now we move on to the third film, where it becomes about Scott Adkins seeking revenge for the death of his brother, and teaching a bunch of soccer hooligans martial arts skills. And now with a summary of the movie's plot, Whitney. Okay, let's get started. First thing you see, Scott Atkins, or rather Danny as he's called in the movie, beat some guys up, some goons who are after him for protection money for his gym. And then you see a clash between two teams of soccer hooligans where Danny's brother Joey is stomped to death. At the funeral, we meet Danny's old friend, Detective Victor, who tells him to stay out of it. Then we meet the Green Street Elite, the hooligan firm for West Ham United, Joey's old firm. During the credits, we see a training montage between Joey and Danny, and Danny says to Joey, GSE is a mugs game. You gotta devote yourself to real fighting. We see Danny drinking with old members of the West Ham United, and he is drawn into their game against Tottenham. Scott Adkins' character, Danny, is still 
attached to the old school soccer hooliganism as we see him glass a member of the Tottenham fans with a beer bottle while they are waiting in line to get into the stadium. He is picked up by the police and driven out of town in a paddy wagon, at which point they let him out and tell him, Jog on, old timer, showing him that times have changed and fights between the football firms are not as they used to be. Adkins glassing a member of the rival firm has started a conflict, and when the members of West Ham United, the Green Street Elite, meet back at their favorite bar, Things start to get crazy as the rival firm sends a tear gas grenade into the bar and they realize that there are 20 spurs, as they refer to the rival firm, outside of the bar. Everyone runs out and gets into a giant fight and we see Adkins and company fuck up at least nine dudes. Danny meets up with Victor, who says, You'll fuck up my investigation, Danny. And Danny dares him to kick a can of lager off of his head, proving he has the, he still has the old firm fighting skills. After this, Danny engages in a brief training montage, followed by a combination ska time slash drinking montage with the fellow members of the GSE. Soon afterwards, temporary GSE leader Gilly shows Danny to the underground organized fights between firms that have taken the place of the usual street violence. With increased arrests and police attention, the football firms have taken to underground five versus five fights, including bets on the victors. We see a number of these five versus five conflicts, including the Millwall group stomping other football firms, a Liverpool versus Chelsea match, and then we see Adkins visiting bartender Molly from the bar that the GSE frequents. Molly questions Adkins, and he says, I didn't come here for a drink. Molly says, you're dangerous, and then a really bad sex scene proceeds with lots of soft lights and not very much topless Scott Adkins like I would like. And not very much topless Molly either. After this, we get a jogging montage where we see Danny pick up the other members of the GSC on a running route and sweat the hell out of them trying to get them fit again. And then he leads them into the gym with his old trainer and proceeds to rough the hell out of them trying to get them ready for the upcoming fight with Newcastle. They then lose the fight with the Newcastle hooligans and proceed into another training montage. After that, we see them take on the Coventry firm, and we get a couple wins, but we have to have another training montage, followed by a fight by Flare Light with Manchester, after which Molly confronts Danny, having seen him talking to Victor, and Danny swears to her, I'm not a grass. He's not grassing on anybody, he's just trying to find his brother's killer. At this point, a member of the rival firm, Mason, comes to talk to Danny and tells him he knows who killed his brother. He claims it was Gilly, the second-in-command of the GSC, and the fatty putts we've seen Danny trying to mold into a viable fighter. 
This is thanks to a photograph of Gilly standing over Joey's dead body. After this, Danny confronts Gilly, and we find out that Joey insisted on the fight that resulted in his death and engaged in activities like throwing petrol bombs at rival firms' bars and instigating the violence. However, Joey was not prepared for the fight, the rest of his firm couldn't handle it, and he was stomped to death. But Danny is warned that Mason, the leader of the other firm, is an old Bill. At this point, we find out that Mason is also Hunter, who is Victor, the constable detective's superior. And we see him challenging Victor about all of the fights and investigations we have seen before this. Then we get a further training montage from Danny and his pals as they get ready for the West Ham United versus Millwall fight. Danny recruits Victor for the final conflict, appealing to his decency and his GSE spirit. And then we see the final five from the GSE, including Victor and Danny, take on the Millwall five which includes Hunter, Victor's superior. After an extended bout of everyone beating the shit out of each other, Victor says to Hunter, I'm arresting you on suspicion of just about everything, you fucking piece of shit. Alright, so Green Street Hooligans 3 is not a great movie. It's not even a great Scott Adkins movie, but I do have to say it was a little bit more entertaining than I expected, and it did have some pretty decent fight scenes spread throughout the movie. I don't know. I didn't really like this movie. It did not have enough shirtless Scott Adkins or enough Scott Adkins beating people's ass for me. There was way too much other people involved in this movie because the GSE includes five other members, but I feel like it was okay Plot-wise, it just wasn't very... Mm, it didn't deliver as far as Scott Atkins, as far as I'm concerned. Well, it was a pretty basic revenge movie plot line combined with a little bit of your martial arts fight or competition movie plot line. So I can't really give it very many points in that regard. Um, it's, it's not something better than what we've seen in the Undisputed series with straight-up fights between Adkins and other people. It didn't really delve into the soccer hooligan mentality in the way that a serious drama would, which I don't really expect from a Scott Adkins movie, but it would have done something to distinguish this one from other beat-em-ups that he has done in the past. Uh, I, I will say that the cinematography was a little better than I expected. It didn't look like a straight-up cheap straight-to-video movie for a lot of it. There are some pretty establishing shots of, you know, bars and town fronts in England. And the actual shots of the fight scenes may not always be very in-depth, but it had a couple pretty cool wide shots of everyone from each team just running into battle with each other which i thought was kind of cool felt like you know a more classic like medieval or other kind of fight movie where you have armies running into each other and doing battle i don't know i really liked the 
the way the movie was set up and I did I do agree the cinematography is quite beautiful there's a fight scene where they have flares at the beginning that is just the most gorgeous shot in the movie but like I said uh the fight scenes for me weren't really that satisfying because there was too much going on and I wanted more one-on-one action with Scott Atkins so decent fight scenes, but not enough focus on our man Adkins to to really do it for you, huh? Pretty much. I feel like I need lots of Scott Atkins busting heads, which he did in the fight scenes. They were a lot of them were majorly focused around Scott Atkins beating people's asses, but including other people in the fight really didn't do it for me. I think it was necessary to the premise, though, because the the whole thing was. Scott Adkins trying to bring his fellow soccer hooligans up to his level of fighting. So we see uh, Gilly and uh, what was the other guy? I think Big Joe or something like that getting getting more involved in the training and the fight scenes. And I thought Mason was pretty good. He, he was a very imposing uh, rival character for Scott Adkins. That, that dude's obviously over six feet tall, and uh, a six-feet ripped guy really stands out compared to the rest of the cast in a British fighting movie. I mean, he easily had six inches on Scott Adkins and possibly even more on most of the other fighters in the team. So Mason... Was, was a pretty good big bad for, for him to take on. I think the movie could have done a better job of establishing Mason as the big bad earlier in the film, but it it did show you that, that he was instrumental in Joey's death in a way that let you get some more uh, emotion out of the final fight scene because you, you finally get to see Adkins take on Mason at that point. But I, I do think that, you know, le- leaving it to the end of the movie to build it up and to give us our final fight scene between our hero and our antagonist, it, it could have done a better job of building him up. But he was a pretty big guy. He was pretty imposing. Uh, it, ge- it gave him just enough character motivation for Adkins to kick his ass for us to want to see that, I think. I don't know. I feel like Mason was a formidable adversary for Danny, but I also feel like they could have built his character up more. I do agree that with a little more backstory on Mason and his involvement with Joey's death and where he makes a allusion to the fact that he was around when Scott Atkins was younger and he was in charge of the GSE, I feel like that scene could have been better played out with a flashback rather than him just alluding to it. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Um, we we hear that Danny used to be the leader of the GSE and things used to be different and that Joey was the only member of the GSE who really followed in Danny's footsteps to learn to be a, a professional badass fighter. Um, we do get flashback, uh, brief flashbacks where we see that Danny pressured Joey to get into real fighting and, and to get out of this bullshit you know, gang warfare between the various football firms. So I I think maybe having an extra flashback or two where we establish Mason as a part of that plot line as an antagonist could have helped in the movie. But then again, we are talking about a movie 
where Scott Adkins trains a bunch of football hooligans in martial arts to fight other football hooligans. So the fact that we've even gotten this far in depth in discussing the plot line means it's a lot better and deeper than I thought it was going to be. I kind of expected this movie to be a complete dumpster fire, and it ended up being pretty entertaining. Um, it definitely could have been better. It's it's not the greatest direct-to-video action movie or Scott Adkins movie, but I didn't feel bored, really, during any part. Um, it's pretty fast-paced. You got a nice mix of fights and training montages and the occasional flashback or sex scene to mix it up. It's, you know, it's it's not going to go down in the record books as an all-time great, but it was pretty entertaining, and, and we had decent character motivations for everybody involved. I agree. I feel like, as far as plot goes, this movie was pretty good. The plot was well-established, and it didn't go off on tangents or anything like that. But I also feel like, for as much as this movie was about fighting and fighting amongst the different firms, it could have had better fight scenes. I really like the parts with Scott Atkins, because I love Scott Atkins, he's super hot. But I feel like the fight scenes with the other characters, the parts where the other characters were fighting different firms, could have been better. I think the other characters were pretty decent in the the larger scale fight scenes, but it, it definitely had to break down the overall fighting kind of tournament that the firm gets into with other firms into a lot of shorter shots. Um, I'm, I'm actually going to praise the movie for that. I think the efficiency of the couple of scenes where we just see a very brief moment of each firm going into battle with each other and we get nice long shots of everybody just running in ready with the punches and the kicks and the throws um those scenes definitely could have been longer and it would have been more satisfying but considering the budget and the size of the movie that we're working with i think that was a very effective way of getting us through the tournament to get the, to the fight that really had the emotional stakes and the plot stakes that we needed to see between uh, Danny and Mason, we needed that showdown. And the movie had to, to build to a point to even get Danny into these fights and then establish the fights and then establish Danny training the fellow members of the GSE for these fights. So... I don't know how much time it really had left for the actual showdowns between them and the lower level teams. I'm not saying that the fights weren't cool. I'm saying that with each character, like with Big John or with Gilly, I would have liked to have seen them fight more. They had all these training montages about how they're getting better and better. And then you, see, you just see Gilly over and over again kicking a guy. And you just see Big John flipping guy over his shoulder. I want I want to see more extended action. And I know it's budget and you don't have time to put everything into one movie, but I feel like those scenes could have been extended and you would have felt more satisfied with the fight until you got to Scott Atkins. And of course, he's badass, so that's pretty good. You know, actually, I, th I think seeing Big John flip a dude and, and seeing uh, Gilly just stomp the shit out of people once they're on the ground was actually kind of effective for their characters it 
It would be pretty silly if we expected all the characters to be trained up to Scott Adkins' level of ass-kickingness after even the three, three and a half, four training montages that we do get through the movie. It's not like you're gonna turn a chubby five foot two British dude into Scott Adkins overnight. He got these guys to go from out of shape and not having the fighting spirit or the the energy to go on to teaching them that even if they're not the best, as long as they're willing to have that fighting spirit, that they might have a chance. So I'll say I, I don't know that I wanted to see them doing too many crazy maneuvers because that would become ridiculous even for a silly-ass movie. You don't want to be faking a bunch of ridiculous kicks from these guys where it's obvious that they're landing four feet away from their opponents or whatever. I definitely would have liked some more from the, the montages we saw of, of brief fighting sequences. But as it stands, I mean, this is a movie where... To get into the nutrition facts for our Adkins diet, the first fight scene came two minutes and 20 seconds into the movie. And here's something I'm going to bring up again. Uh, the opening scene of the movie, Adkins, we find out, left uh, England years ago and is living in Ireland because he wanted to get away from the GSE and the hooligan lifestyle. And he started a martial arts gym in Ireland. And... He beats the shit out of two guys two minutes into the movie very quickly, and they're there to get protection money from him, which I really thought was a plot point we were going to see come back later in the movie. I assumed we were going to see Adkins go back, find out who killed his brother, get involved with the football firm again, get dragged back in and get in a, you know, a conflict with his old cop friend. He was going to fight the rival firm. He was going to avenge his brother. And I assumed at some point we, we would get an extra participant in that final conflict where the mobsters who were extorting him for protection money that he beat the shit out of their minions would come back again. And maybe it would be like they'd shoot somebody in the final fight or they'd show up and he would be victorious over the rival firm, but he would be worn out and, and then he'd have to fight the minions of this mobster. Um, but it, it just never showed up or was mentioned again at all in the movie. It's almost like they just have that in there so you can see, oh yeah, Scott Atkins is a badass fighter. But I feel like if you're going to have random dudes in the beginning of the movie, then you should probably explain who they are. Because it doesn't say at all who they are or why they're there. And since they're never mentioned again, you never have any chance to find out. I mean, it briefly mentions who they are. It says something about protection money, which is all you really need to know who they are. But at the same time, who they are doesn't matter <laughs> if they don't come back again and they're never mentioned in the movie. But to get beyond that, the, the rest of the Adkins facts for the movie, you got your first fight scene just two minutes, 20 seconds in as you see Adkins beat the shit out of the never-to-be-mentioned-again collection agents for the local mob. The body count for the movie, as far as I could tell, is actually only one. Joey gets the shit stomped out of him 
and dies at the beginning of the movie and that motivates all of adkins slash danny's action from that point on um you do see a couple hits in later fights that look like they would be fatal there's some pretty solid head stomps and punches uh, a couple of guys get their heads smashed into steel containers, which looks like it would kill the shit out of you. But the movie doesn't acknowledge their deaths. Usually we see people get up again or just cut away and don't really notice, you know, the results of the horrible violence that's been inflicted on them. So we only have one confirmed kill for the body count. Now for confirmed knockouts... Uh, I I kind of lost count at a certain point. I've got to go with a total of at least 50-plus knockouts for the movie. This is everybody who gets punched or kicked down to the ground and doesn't come up. Everybody gets their head smashed into something. Uh, all of the five versus five fights that require the entire opposing team to be knocked out. This is... Movie has a shit ton of people getting permanent brain damage. Definitely at least 50 plus knockouts across the entire movie. Many of them attributed to Adkins' character Danny, but uh, probably about half of them accrued by his fellow firm members or from rival firm members against them or other firms. Uh, we even get a knockout from Molly the bartender who was Adkins slash Danny's love interest. Um, I would say the coolest move in the movie, there's not really any that stand out compared to a lot of Adkins' badass kicks and punches and other moves we've seen in various movies, but I think his ending fight versus Mason, where he lands a solid roundhouse kick followed by the trademark Adkins double jump kick, where he does kind of a, a flying Liu Kang thing, where he kicks you with one leg and then kicks you with the other one before you fall down. I think that was the most solid move in the movie. Do you agree on that one? I agree. That was pretty awesome. Overall, not, not really any memorable moves. Um, no, not he, really. He didn't even somersault kick anyone. No, you know? he didn't. No somersault kicks. His When I see Adkins do the guile flash kick, that's really when I get pumped. Um, when, I, when I see him do his fake-out flying roundhouse kick, where he pretends to kick you with one leg and then gets you with the second one on the follow-up. Like, he has so many badass moves. Um, I don't think we really saw any of them in this one. The the roundhouse kick followed by the double jump kick was pretty cool, but it wasn't on the level of, of the usual Adkins kicks. I agree. Now, this movie did have at least four training montages over the course of the movie, depending on how you want to count them. Uh, even the opening credits showed Danny training with Joey, uh, not quite enough to qualify as a training montage, but throughout the rest of the film, we get a whole bunch of Danny trying to train his fellow West Ham United members of the GSE into a decent fighting force. So overall, our nutrition facts, we're going to go with a body count of one dead brother, a knockout count of 50 plus mofos, 
uh, training montage count of at least four, four and a half maybe. And then the best move is going to be his roundhouse kick followed by double jump kick combination against Mason. And now, here with the Abskins report about how much Scott Adkins' abs action you get in this movie is Whitney. This movie provides very little shirtless Scott Adkins. There is a part where he's in the shower and briefly during the sex scene and one time during a training montage. But other than that, there's no shirtless Scott Atkins. So I give this about a four out of 10 as far as shirtless Scott Atkins goes. It's not very satisfying, but you get some. Don't go to this movie for shirtless Scott Atkins. There's more out there that you can see. And I'm gonna second that on the female boobery in the movie. Um, This was your typical straight-to-video shit action movie, so you kind of hope for some gratuitous nudity in there. You got a little bit of side boob and some very brief frontal boob during the sex scene. You get a lot more shirtless Scott Adkins than you get shirtless Casey Clark, and you really don't get that much shirtless Scott Adkins. Alright, so now's the time where we rate the movie on two scales. Uh, Once again, we're comparing this to the other movies we have reviewed so far, so it's not going to be definitive for right now. But I would say on terms of being a good movie in general, this is definitely below Undisputed 2. It's pretty entertaining. It's honestly better than I expected from a soccer hooligans learn martial arts fight movie. But it's not something that I would recommend to people who aren't a fan of dumb, cheesy action movies or who aren't a fan of Scott Adkins in general. I would say it's a mild recommendation for people who fall into those categories. And for anybody who doesn't, uh, you probably wouldn't get very much out of it. In terms of Scott Adkinsness, I would say definitely below Undisputed 2 also. Uh, You get a couple solid fight or training scenes, but overall, I've seen a lot better from Scott Adkins and and from people he's worked with. So this was not a complete waste of time, but it also was not one I'm going to recommend over some of the better Scott Adkins movies I've seen. I have to agree. I like the movie for its Scott Adkinsness, but... I also felt like that there wasn't enough Scott Atkinsness to the movie. There wasn't enough good fight scenes. There wasn't enough shirtless Scott Atkins. As much as I enjoyed the plot of the movie, I felt like his character wasn't somebody that I would really like. So Green Street 3, Green Street Underground, Green Street Hooligans 3, Never Back Down, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Um, It is available on Netflix right now. If you have nothing better to do and you've watched a number of other Scott Adkins movies and enjoyed them already, I would recommend it. If you haven't watched Scott Adkins' better movies, then do that instead. There's a couple of them on Netflix. Now for our secondary recommendations for this week. Uh, The original Green Street was directed by a woman named Lexi Alexander, and she directed one of my favorite action movies of the last decade, the highly underrated 
Punisher War Zone, uh, which was an awesome action film that felt a great deal like Garth Ennis's run on the Punisher comics and the Punisher Max comics over the late 90s and early 2000s. Now, the Thomas Jane Punisher movie before this took a great deal of its plot from the Garth Ennis comic, but it didn't capture the tone, the ridiculous, over-the-top violence and grotesquerie combined with a very dark sense of humor that defined Ennis's run on the comic. None of that made it through to the Thomas Jane movie. So despite the fact that that took plot cues and even characters directly from the Ennis run, it really didn't feel like the Ennis comic the way the Punisher Warzone does. Now, Warzone brings in direct elements from the Ennis comic, like Soap, uh, the hapless detective who is the worst and most disrespected detective on the NYPD who ends up getting involved with a number of the Punisher's cases. Um, It also brings in elements from the Punisher's mythology that Ennis never included, like Jigsaw, who's probably Punisher's only recurring villain. Um, Most of the time, Punisher just kills his villains off. Jigsaw is somebody who's popped up again and again. Uh, He's very entertaining and over the top. And the movie captures Ennis's tone so well that it actually creates an original character, Looney Bin Jim, who is referred to as LBJ, who feels like he walked right out of the Ennis comic and is just a wonderful, maniacal character. So I I think it's just a great, hyper-violent, ridiculous Punisher movie that captures the best aspects of the characters' comics from the 90s and the 2000s. And I'm also going to say, last week we mentioned Ben Cross from Undisputed 2 was in the action series Banshee, but I failed to recommend that. If you have not seen Banshee, you need to watch this show. It's one of the best action television programs I've ever seen. Uh, Features an ex-con who pretends to be a sheriff in a small town in Amish country and gets involved in all kinds of criminal shenanigans while also trying to continue to pull off heists. It has some amazing fight scenes ignore the terrible cgi effects in the first episode make it to it until at least the third episode where our hero sheriff hood takes on a dirty nasty raping abusing ufc fighter in a fight that just makes you stand up and cheer Um, it only gets better from there season three is one of the best pieces of action I do have to say I've that I seen. love Banshee because Sheriff Kit Punch as I call him is one of the greatest characters of all time as Adam said he's a criminal who pretends to be a sheriff and he gets into all kinds of shenanigans and his answer to most things is just violence and I find that very endearing Not to mention the fact that he is developed as a character into a real human being quite well, just as other characters in the show become people that you really love and you want to see achieve things, despite the fact that they're all criminals. 
Um, Punisher Warzone is available on Showtime streaming service right now. It's also probably in every discount bin you have ever looked through for DVDs and Blu-rays. You can get it for $10 or less on DVD or Blu-ray, and it's completely worth it. Pick it up. Banshee, the first two seasons, are currently available on regular Amazon Prime service. To see all four seasons, you're going to need the Max Go Cinemax streaming service, or you can pick them up pretty cheap on DVD right now. As always, I'd like to thank my brother CJ for coming up with our awesome logo. If you want to check out more of his work, look at cjc.design. And if you want to contact him or contact the podcast, then send an email to theadkinsdietpodcast at yahoo.com. Our theme music was from my brother from another mother, Cousin Pete. Check out his work on Razormouth.net, Razormouth on Facebook, and Razormouth Productions on Facebook. That's Productions with a Z. From this point on, we'll probably be doing these episodes bi-weekly. So look forward to our next episode in two weeks. Uh, we're coming up on my birthday, so I think I'm going to watch Boyka Undisputed 4 because I'm pretty sure that's going to be a kick-ass movie and I want to have a good film for my birthday. So thank you and have a great day.